Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Welcome to episode 33. We have a great show in store for you today. Thank you so much for joining us. We have Pam Grout. She is back. The first time she was here, it was such a big hit. I was so excited when she when we chatted and she said she'd come back on again. She has a new book called Thank and Grow Rich. Right now we are entering September and I know a lot of people are putting their kids back to school. It seems like summer is ending and a lot of things are beginning and it's an easy time to feel really overwhelmed. And this is the time when we need to take a moment to give some thanks. Being grateful for things, uh, we know it's important, but I don't think a lot of us really understand the power of it, how it can transform our lives and today. That's what Pam's going to do. She's going to shine a big old light on that. So enjoy this episode. If you do love it, make sure you share it. This is an act of love, so spread the love. Enjoy. Pam, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. I always love talking to you. So this is a great treat. Thank yeah. you. Well, we have already had, you've been on the show before, so you are a veteran. You already know uh, that this is going to be a lot of fun. And that's really what you're all about. You're all about attracting great things by keeping things light and having fun. Now, your most recent book has just come out, and you focus a lot on gratitude. The book is called Thank and Grow Rich. So I want to start there because we hear about the power of gratitude, but to be honest, it's not the sexiest topic. It doesn't sound like that exciting. So I want to know from you, what can we really expect when it comes to harnessing the power of gratitude? Well, you know what? In some ways, this book is an answer to a question I get from people a lot of times. You know, ever since E Squared came out, I get so many emails, particularly from people that tell me all these amazing miracle stories of things that happened to them after reading the book and you know, doing the experiments. But every now and then I get an email from somebody that says, well, Pam, I don't know what it is, but this just didn't work for me. And I tell the story in the book, you know, kind of that um, that little scene from A Few Good Men where... Tom Cruise has Jack Nicholson up on the um, witness stand and he's saying to him, he's saying to him, you know, did you do the code red? And he's just baiting him, waiting and waiting for him to say something. And finally, Tom, or, um, Jack Nicholson gets so mad because Tom Cruise is on him. You know, he's got him on the stand. He's trying to get this old grizzled colonel or whatever, general, I don't know what he is, to admit to this thing. And he finally says in a really mad voice, he goes, you can't handle the truth. And I think what this book is really about is the fact that if we want to start experiencing all these miracles, all this, um, you know, these magical things that happen that the universe is always trying to send our way, we have to get on a frequency to where we can handle the truth. We have to be able to open what I call open our joy channels. We have to get on a frequency that we can actually see all the magic and the miracles. Because as long as we keep focusing and thinking about all the problems in the world and all the things that are going around along, then you know we're not able to connect with this bigger force. It's like we have a dis- 
disagreement going on with this higher thing. And so by getting on what I call the frequency of joy and gratitude, we actually open up. So it's really an answer to, you know, a question that I've gotten from some of my fans that want to know why this stuff doesn't work for me. Well, it will work for you constantly if you start you know, working your gratitude muscle. So it's about gratitude, yes. And I've got some of the traditional stories, you know, about how gratitude, um, you know, rewires your neurochemistry and a lot of different things like that. But it also talks a lot about, um, you know, what happens when you're not with gratitude. And it's more about a frequency thing than it really is about your traditional gratitude. Right. That's certainly part of it, but it has a lot more. It's about frequency and static. And, you know, so it does address a lot of the same things that um, had an E squared, but probably in a more refined way. Right. I, I want to talk about frequency, but before we get to that topic, on on this topic of these fans writing in and some people who aren't fans, they're just writing in complaining about how it's not working right. for them. You say in the book that as you read these uh, emails, the few uh, where people are complaining or they're saying, I don't know why it's not working for me, that you resonate with that voice, that you also have this little voice in your head that experiences these doubts. So my question is, do we ever, because I think most of us can resonate to that, to having this little voice, can we ever completely get rid of that voice? Well, I don't even know that we want to get rid of that voice necessarily, but we don't want to listen to it. I think, mm -hmm. and as we start practicing gratitude and, and, and being more happy, that voice gets toned down and this other frequency can make, can make contact with us. So can we ever get rid of it completely? I would say, you know, from my own experience, and I've been a pioneer in, um, you know, magic and, uh, and gratitude and joy for a long time, but and I've been working on this for a long time, but I still have that voice. That voice still does crop up. It's just that now when I hear it, I don't um, give it as much weight. I know that it's just a poser. You know, it's not the real thing. And so I think the more I focus on the gratitude and the joy, the less it, it speaks up. But it still does speak up. And I'm the first to admit that, yes, it does sometimes. I call it, um, you know, sometimes that voice tries to make me its bitch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> does happen sometimes. I think this is such an important point because you have these great exper these great experiments, these great games, uh, and you talk about distracting the voice. And I think it's important to have the conversation around distracting the voice and not listening to the voice instead of feeling like the objective here is to completely make that voice disappear or else we feel like we're constantly fighting a battle with something instead of switching from battle mode, battling that critical voice to to ignoring it by focusing on something that's grabbing more of our attention right or maybe ignoring might be a little bit strong but just not giving it so much attention mm. well, I guess that's a little bit the same as ignoring it but I would never say to people don't ever pay any attention to it but just realize there's so much more going on one of the little games in there is this thing about the pie chart because when you really look at your life I mean 99.9% .9 of everything is going right I mean there's always the little things you know where your mind gets telling you you need to worry about this or you know you need to follow these seven steps or whatever it might be 
But when you think about the percentage of things that are going right, but that nobody ever pays attention to that. And so what I suggest is, yes, devote your life, you know, divide your life up in the same ratio of how good and bad happens to you. Because truly, most of the time, everything is working perfectly. I mean, one of the things that is just such a great mystery to me is the fact that this free water falls from the sky and food comes up out of the ground. I mean, there's just so many things that are going right. I mean, we have gravity to hold us on the planet. So many things are going right, but we just put those on the side and we start focusing on that 0.1% that isn't working. So this is really a way by getting into gratitude to start really looking at reality as it really is. I mean, reality, things are really working out for us. I mean, they, it really is working out. And the more we start focusing on all that is working out, um, the more things can start working out. Because if we're totally focused on that 0.1%, which is the state of the world, that is the dominant culture, we were always, I mean, look at the cover of any women's magazine, you know, um, you know, 20 ideas for, you know, getting rid of that last baby fat or what, I mean, it's just all about the problem, the thing that's wrong. And then here's a plan to fix it. But if we start focusing on all the things that are going right, that particular disgruntlement or whatever, it literally will disappear. So I just think we have our priorities really messed up. And I think we, you know, we just need to change out the ratio, the pie chart, so to speak, of how we view our lives and how we spend our lives. There is a quote that Mike Dooley shared with me. And I I don't know who the um, who I can credit for this quote. But the quote is, if you want to make an apple pie from scratch, you have to first invent the universe. And that thought makes me realize how many other things are in play to help us create what we want to create. Like you said, being grateful for the water, being grateful for an apple tree seed, for the, for the tree, for the apple. There's so many things going right. And the other thought that helps me stay into this frequency that you talk about is the idea that we laugh in our life way more than we cry. Way more. I mean, we smile in a day way more than we frown, and I think it's important to realize that. So I, I want to shift the conversation and talk about frequency for someone who hasn't been introduced to your work before. What do you mean when you use the word frequency? Well, all things, I mean, if you actually look behind the scenes at everything that looks like a material object, it's actually a vibrating atoms. I mean, if we really can see the world as it was, nothing is really solid. It's all vibrating energy. Everything is energy. Everything is vibrating energy. And what happens, and this is what quantum physics has proven that when we observe something, we change the energy of the thing we're observing, we change ourselves. So basically, your frequency is how you are vibrating, you know, how your thoughts are vibrating. And I've often said, you know, you can't really watch ABC when you're tuned into NBC. I mean, you literally have to get on the right frequency or the right channel in order to see the things that you're wanting to see. So frequency basically is, you know, this vibrating, I mean, it's the crux, it's the truth about the entire universe. Everything is operating on a frequency. Everything puts out a frequency. So, I mean, that's how we learned how to, you know, we, we, we've developed these radio waves, you know, that, that we've been able to do cell phones and all the various 
technology that we've done. In fact, one of the things I say is that, you know, we've known about this for about 100 years, you know, this quantum field, this, uh, you know, this thing that can move back and forth, but we haven't really used it fully in our personal lives. And um, that's why I think it's just so important to really work on our frequency, really try to get a frequency that best serves us, that enables us to connect to this bigger thing that is here for our use. One of the things I love about your work, and one of the reasons I think your your books have done so well, is because you're not just telling us to believe in this force, in this idea. You're giving us experiments so that we can experience this for ourselves. And this this new book, Thank and Grow Rich, is also filled with experiments, except you don't call them experiments. What do you call them again? Par- party games? Party games. <laughs> yes, because here's the thing. You know, one of the things I say, you know, these people that wrote to me that said, oh, it doesn't work for me. You know, they're so mad. They're so upset. I mean, they're just so serious. And one of the biggest things is we need to make this stuff fun. I don't know where this idea that spirituality got to be a bummer. You know, everybody, oh, it's, I've got to go to this or do that. I mean, this is supposed to be fun. So instead of offering exercises, which is, you know, a typical thing you'd find in a self-help book. I actually call it party games. And I think that will help people approach it in the manner that will make it best work. Because when you approach it from a an attitude of fun and joy, and this is going to be a good time, then it it just works out better for you. When you approach it from, oh, did I do it right? I mean, sometimes people will write to me, oh, I don't know if I did it right. And do I need to do this? And I mean, you know, it's like, hey, guys, lighten up. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter how you do it. It's going to work. It's going to interact with you no matter how you do it. You just want it to interact with you in the sense that is a little bit more um, to, to your benefit as opposed to your, you know, resistance that you have. And that's really, I mean, we really can't even stop this universal flow except through our resistance, which is what, you know, the state of the world is. We're kind of living in this world of lots and lots of resistance. Right. Well, I want to go into some of these party games. But first, let's talk about financial wealth, because the book is called Think and Grow Rich. I think a lot of people who are attracted to this work, they, you know, we want to make more money. We want to experience more abundance. And the title of one of your chapters is Financial Wealth is a Side Effect of Your Real Riches. So I want to talk about these real riches. What do you mean by that? Well, I present in this book five forms of capital that I believe are highly superior to financial capital. I think that we, um, you know, in our culture, financial capital, you know, wields a lot of weight. And I have nothing against financial capital, but I think when we pursue financial capital above these other types of capital, I think we end up being less happy. So I have five kinds of capital that this book really helps develop, and one of them is social capital. I mean, it is so important. And these do lead to financial capital, but social capital, you know, having those friends, having you know, people that you can do things with, I creative capital, I mean, every single financial um, windfall always comes from a result of a creative idea. So creative capital is super important. Um, alchemic capital, which is the ability to um, realize that you can make a change. You know, that's like alchemy, alchemic capital. And then adventure capital. I mean, we all, I mean, we only get so many heartbeats, man. We might as well have adventures in this life. I mean, we're here for a purpose to have fun and people have forgotten about that. But anyway, so I have adventure capital. Let's see, I did creative, social Oh, spiritual capital. That's the fifth type of capital I talk about. And that is that connection to this bigger thing that we all have. So to me, 
if you really get it, you know, that these other kinds of capital are really what's important. The financial capital is just, like I said, a side effect. It comes when you have these other kinds of capital in place. Are there certain things that we can do that affect these different types of capital? Like one thing that can improve these different uh, forms of riches? Well, you know, some of these party games are designed to get people to, you know, build their social capital, to, you know, increase their creative capital. I mean, creative capital, there are so many amazing ideas out there in the universe, and people can tap into these ideas. And in fact, all of us, I think, are here to, you know, do our part, to do our thing. And the universe is wanting each of us to, you know, be a creative creative person. I mean, instead of just dealing or coping with life the way it is, we can imagine and create a whole different reality, a whole different way. And that's what a lot of us aren't doing. So to me, the creative capital is really, really, really important. So um, anyway, so yeah, there are party games that help build each of those. So I even have like this little portfolio or an earnings report sheet. So, you know, you start out with this earnings report sheet and you, you rate, how is your social capital? How is your um, adventure capital. And so you actually on a one to 10 scale, you figure out what your capital is, um, how you rate in each of these capitals. And then as you go through the book and you do these party games, you will see an increase in your portfolio. So I mean, <laughs> literally, this is a way of, you know, increasing your capital and the kind of capital that really truly makes for a meaningful life. So let's Talk more about creative capital. What are some party games or what is a party game that we can use to help build that capital? Well, one of the things, I don't know if you've ever seen my TED talk that I did about um, creativity, but I have a practice that I've been doing for years and I suggest getting, I don't know that I put this in this book, but to me, this is like the best way to develop creative capital is I get a, uh, a little cheap notebook. And the reason I get cheap notebooks is because if you buy a nice leather bound notebook, then you're going to, oh, it's got to be so perfect. But I suggest that people come up with three new ideas every single day any kind of idea. I mean, it can be an idea of, you know, how you can interact with your next door neighbor, how you might want to make them a pie. It can be a business idea. It can be any kind of idea because there are so many ideas out there that really do need to be made home. So I, to me, it's so important to every day write down three ideas. I think every single person should be doing it. I even think that if every single person would be doing it, we wouldn't have half the problems that we have in the world because, you know, there's a lot of ideas and there's a lot of potential things we can change, things we can do. So, so yeah, I'm trying to help people be the um, air traffic controllers that bring in all these great ideas that the universe is wanting to deliver to us. Well, what advice would you have for someone who wants to do this exercise, but they feel like every time they write down an idea, they have, they feel the pressure to accomplish it, that an idea isn't worthy unless you, you know, work hard and make it a reality. Well, that's kind of a silly notion. And I do think our culture does sort of make us feel guilty if we don't do that. The point of this particular exercise is has nothing to do with implementing them. It has only to do with getting that creative muscle in shape and just like imagining and dreaming. So it's a good way to just start coming up with ideas. And then some of them will really resonate with you. Some of them will really inspire you and will make you want to act. So that will happen, but don't put any pressure on yourself to do it. Your only task really, and I task, I hate that word. Your only, um, you know, the rule for this party game is to 
truly start coming up with crazy ideas or, you know, whatever kind of ideas you want every single day, make that a party. I'm going to, I'm going to write down some ideas. There's no pressure whatsoever to try to, to do them. You might want to, you may, may, but just every day come up with a new idea. It's super important. I've been thinking about that a lot. Even with this, we were chatting a little bit before we started recording about the podcast and you were asking me if I was still enjoying it. And I was saying yes, and that this feels like something that I'm purely doing for creative reasons. I have no objective with the podcast. And a lot of, you know, business books might tell you that it's that's not a good strategy, but there's so much uh, excitement and fulfillment and adventure that comes from it. So I can see here when we're doing something without obsessing about the objective, we are increasing our create creative riches and also our the social riches as well, because this helps me interact with more people. Um, but I, I love that idea of looking at life not just as focusing on the objective, but the actual party game, the actual experience. Right. Well, I think what happens, I mean, to me, the number one thing that any person can do to lead, to lead a really enriching, meaningful life is to always move towards that thing which makes you feel most alive. And that is what I call creative capital. Um, move towards the thing that makes you feel most alive. So many people move towards that thing that they think, you know, society taught them, will teach them to make money, to, you know, like you said, meet some objective. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you're moving on this momentum of doing what you love, doing that thing that you're called to do, that you, that makes you come alive. I mean, it's just amazing how financial riches will fall in your mm -hmm. lap. All kinds of things will start happening um, magical things start happening if you move towards the thing, like Joseph Campbell used to call follow your bliss. But I think what happens when kids are born, instead of parents teaching them, or not even teaching them, because every kid wants to move towards their bliss. I mean, that's what kids naturally do. But what we do instead is say, well, honey, you need to, you know, get your homework done and you need to, um, you know, learn how to pick up your room. And so we start teaching them all these rules, all these things they need to do. If instead we said, go for it, man, follow what you want, none of us would even need any self-help books. None of us, I mean, the world would just work better. We wouldn't have all this guilt. We wouldn't have all this, um, this resistance that we put up because of all these rules, all these cultural paradigms that we've taught. And our parents teach it to us because their parents taught it to them. I mean, that's just the way it is. But to me, if we'd say, yeah, go for it, whenever they're doing that thing that they love to do, because if you love to do something, you're going to be really good good at it. And, and even if you're not good at it, in fact, I tell the story in there about, um, about Kevin Costner, who, when he was a senior at um, Cal State Fullerton or whatever that is called, he was an accounting major. He was kind of a lackluster accounting major. He didn't know what he wanted to do, but hey, you go to college, you know, you get out of high school, you go to college. His dad, I think, had been business stuff. So he was a business major, but he was sitting in an accounting class one day, bored to death, felt that he wasn't nearly as good as anybody else, but he saw this ad in the in the newspaper, the college newspaper. It said, auditions for Rumpelstiltskin. He had never acted. He had never had any interest in acting, but he felt the hair on his arm raise up, and he said to himself, I'm going to be at that audition. 
Well, you know, he has, I mean, who, where did that come from? But it was something that intrigued him. He said he hadn't been that excited or that jazzed about anything since he was a kid, you know, playing basketball or baseball, you know, in the sandlot or whatever. So he was just, he felt so excited. He got to that audition. I mean, his car even broke down on the way there. He jumped out of the car. He, you know, ran the last few miles or whatever, but he got to that audition. And while I'd love to tell you, yes, he got the part. He did not get the part. He said he was a terrible actor. But what he discovered is that he loved this skill, this particular thing so much that he would want to work at it. I mean, it would be fun to work at it. And see, that's what we really need. We need to find that thing that trips our trigger that it's not really work to do it. Yes, we're pursuing it. Yes, we're loving it, but we're not working at it. You know, work in it sort of indicates that you're doing something that you know, you're supposed to do, <laughs> you know, something that society tells you that needs to be done. But if you're following that bliss, you're doing that thing that you want to do, that you love to do, then the universe is going to work with you. The universe is going to make things happen. I mean, look what happened to Kevin Costner. He followed that love, even though he had no idea where that came from. You know, he had no background in that, but he followed that. He could feel it in his body. I mean, the Japanese call it waku waku, this thing you can feel in your body. And you just, you know, it's like, wow, I found that thing. And that is really what we want. And as we start developing our creative muscle, we'll start feeling it a little bit better. I mean, it's almost drowned out now and with all these paradigms and these rules and these things that, you know, we've been taught. Absolutely. I want to touch upon adventure and this, the idea of focusing on your, do you call it adventure riches? Adventure capital, yeah. Adventure capital. Right. Uh, you know, you talk about how we only have a certain amount of heartbeats and this is about truly being alive, but we definitely live in a world where we can get caught up with responsibilities and obligations. I mean, you know about this being a single mother. What advice would you have for someone who feels like there's not space in their life for adventure and they're not prioritizing it? Well, to me, adventure is more about a mindset than an actual adventure. I mean, yes, adventure has been packaged to us like, oh, you're going to go on an adventure. I'm going to go to Burning. You're going to go to a safari. Yeah. Or a safari in Africa, whatever it might be. So that is, you know, one kind of adventure. However, there are adventures that happen in our everyday life all the time, but we're so focused and working on those objectives that you mentioned that we don't even notice the adventure. I mean, for me, walking outside in my backyard and seeing what the new flowers doing, you know, like what fl new flower opened up. I mean, that to me is an adventure. And so it's really kind of a mindset about really noticing, again, all these amazing things that are happening all around me. I mean, things that I didn't have to do and they're just happening. So there's a lot of different ways to have adventure. And I think as you start a appreciating, you know, all that you do have in your life, all these adventures will come to you. Like last week, I mean, this was a fun adventure. I mean, I don't know if you, are you familiar with Blake Shelton? He's a uh, country western singer. Yeah. And, and he's on The Voice. I think it's called The Voice. Yep. But anyway, so I'm, I'm just sitting at home, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure I was doing something, but I get a call from my editor at People Magazine. She's like, hey, you want to go to this cocktail party with Blake Shelton and interview him for People Magazine? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know what I mean? You never know. So there's those kind of adventures. And I believe, you know, as I'm really open to adventures and noticing adventures and seeing my life as an adventure, those kind of what people might think of as a traditional adventure will start coming to you. So 
you know, a lot of people go, oh, yeah, right. That's because whatever. But you know what? I'm just a kid from Kansas. You know, I mean, who'd have thought that I was going to wake up? Well, I think it was last Wednesday. Or it was, actually, it was the week before I went to Colorado that I was just going to wake up one day and get to meet, you know, Blake Shelton or whatever. You, know, you just never know. Um, things can happen all the time. Again, when you get on that frequency where you're starting to appreciate, you're starting to notice adventures, you're making that as a priority. I mean, none of us have that as a priority on our list. Oh, I'm going to have an adventure today. But if you kind of set that intention and if you decide that that is a priority in your life, the universe will work it out. I I mean, the universe will send adventures your way. It's not that difficult. Right. The universe has lots and lots of adventures, but you know, we're we. It's our job to be on that frequency where we can where we can enjoy them and appreciate them. Right. We can recognize them when they're knocking on our door. Right. Totally. Well, you know, I'm I'm so excited about your new book. It's a great book, and you've already shared so much with us. I'm just curious about your adventure with this book and, and your thoughts about it. What, is, what are your hopes around this book? Well, I always have as my mission to change the dominant paradigm. You know, that's what I feel like I'm here. I'm here to be of service to this new story that's wanting to be born. And I think a new story is being born about, you know, the fact that all of us really love each other. You know, I think we have sort of forgotten that, you know, that the universe is actually, you know, working in our favor that things are actually working out. So that to me is the new story that's being born. And I think it's the exact opposite story that we're seeing in the news media. So I feel like I am of service to this new story that's wanting to be born. So I hope the book plays a part in that. You know, I've got a lot of um, miracle stories in the book. You know, for each of the party games, I have what I call um, the pudding as the proof is in the, you know, which it tells somebody, <laughs> somebody who practiced gratitude and, you know, something amazing that happened to them. Um, and I've also got, you know, little tips and whatnot about this magic that's always happening in our lives. So I guess, you know, my big goal is that it will help us move in this direction of this new story, you know, this new story of cooperation and of love and of excitement and adventure. So that's, you know, my biggest thing. One of, I mean, I, 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 I have it kind of set up, which it makes it kind of fun. There's this little scavenger hunt that people go on. And I hope people will gather together. Again, that's the social capital and do some of these party games together. And I hope that, um, you know, that it will bring people together and it will change the conversation away from the doom and gloom and lack and limitation and to this conversation that to me is the only conversation worth happening about what is possible. What is possible is the only interesting thing to me. You know, what we might see, what appears to be right now, that's just one of um, a million superimpositions in the quantum field. There's a lot of other possibilities. And I want to open up people's ideas to the fact that there's all these other possibilities. And so, I mean, that's kind of like a big, broad view that, I mean, all my work kind of revolves around that. And this book is, you know, one piece of the puzzle. So I hope people, you know, will will have a lot of fun with the book. And I hope that they'll, you know, really start um, questioning this long-time belief they have and, you know, life sucks and then you die. Right, <laughs> so I right. Change that paradigm. You know, that's one of the thoughts I was having as I was reading the book. I was thinking to myself, it's so nice to just have a fun book. It's such a fun book. And these party games are a lot of fun. So you really did capture that spirit within this book. And uh, and it's it's fantastic. So congratulations on this new book. Where can people go to pick it up? 
Well, I imagine, I, I'm not sure when this airs, but I, it should be on Amazon and all the bookstores. I think um, any time after August 30th, it should be out there. Um, so any bookstore, any, you know, website where people typically get it, there's even a, I recorded the audio book for it as well. So it comes out at the same time. So there'll be lots of options to get it. I'm sure the Hay House website will have it. Um, I don't actually sell books on my website, but, um, you know, you, you just have to say everywhere where books are sold, Thank like you. they do, like they do in the commercials. <laughs> Everywhere that books are sold. Thank you for the <laughs> wording that I should have thought of earlier. <laughs> well, again, uh, it, it really is a great book. And I will just kind of plug one more thing for you because it's it just so good. Your blog is amazing. So I do recommend everyone go. It's pamgrout.com, right? That's your website? It is my website. And there's like 400 little articles about there. And I do share a lot of these magical stories and people just seem to love it. Because, you know, when you hear about that it worked for somebody else, you go, oh, hey, maybe it could work for me. Again, it's all changing our beliefs and our consciousness and our expectations. And as that changes, then our life also change like the inner changes the outer so i just keep showing what i or telling what i call medicine stories which is a way of healing the planet you know it's a medicine story it's a way of you know realizing another way could be possible yes absolutely well and as you know my dad especially is such a huge fan he reads all of your blogs he never misses one and he often forwards them to the whole family so you're definitely creating that that social uh interaction within the ortner family so i i highly recommend it uh pam it was a real pleasure to have you on the show again thank you so much yeah thank you jess and i'll talk to you soon